Welcome to Horror Makes Us Happy, the podcast where we ask the question, what is it about horror that makes us happy? Your hosts are Steve Becker and myself, Chris Whitman, and you can find out more about us at our website, horrormakesushappy.com. Before we get started, a little information for you and the listeners. This is the trigger warning. We're going to be talking about horror movies, horror culture, which could involve some dark and macabre things, anything from murder, rape, suicide, child abuse, um, basically dark stuff. So, you know, if, uh, if that's not your cup of tea, this is your warning to listen to something else. Or maybe rethink it and, and come back after a minute. But that being said, on with the show. Today, we have the company of someone who basically needs no introduction, if, if <laughs> you ask me. But um, Ken Foray, actor known for such works as, you know, Rob Zombie's Halloween, Devil's Rejects, Dawn of the Dead, <clears throat> Texas Chainsaw 3. The list goes Number on. There are, there are several shows. works. And it is a pleasure to have you today, Ken. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Glad to be here. Our pleasure. <clears throat> so we talked about this a little bit uh, before, but basically the uh, the way we do this is we ask a bunch of questions about childhood, teenage years, and then adulthood, coming at it from these different directions, sometimes triggers memories that you'd forgotten. Uh, but that said, it's not meant to be a therapy session. So if there's something you don't remember, or you don't want to answer, just say pass and move on. But uh, starting with childhood, what are some of your earliest memories of scary things? Oh, gee, we had, like everyone else in America, and I, I guess they had their local, regional Friday night creature feature or scare you, scare you to death, or I think it was Sammy Terry in Indiana for, for many people. I, I knew other, other horror, horror uh, broadcasts, and they always came on Saturday nights, so uh, Friday nights, and you would always... Something have something that would scare you to death, Dracula or, <laughs> or Frankenstein, and, and you could watch those movies over and over and over again because they would replay them, and they were you were just as uh, frightened and uh, as crazy. It's it's great time, great time. Were there any particular uh, movies or stories that you remember specifically? Well, of course, all, all of the all the, you know, Bela Lugosi, you know, all of his, you know, every Dracula oh, he's in. Uh, the uh, Frankenstein uh, films as well. Um, as I grew older, but I guess we'll cover that later. But there's the Hammer films, but but basically, um, you know, even some of the comedies with with uh, Abbott and Costello makes Frankenstein yep. was, was a great kick. Um, so I every any horror film in the fifties and in the forties. House on Haunted Hill. Oh, Jesus Christ, there were so many, so many. Did you have any family members that were horror fans, or was it my brothers like were with thing? me, and I was the older brother, and we would pop popcorn, and we would sit in the living room, and we watched it, watching it. And back in those days in in Indiana, the uh, television, of course, uh, went went off the air at ten at eleven o'clock, so. Yep, we'd be yep. you know about ten o'clock, eleven o'clock, and we'd go off air, and we just watch the scary movie, and we all go to bed, and then I would creep around <laughs> and scare the hell out of them. <laughs> <laughs> oh, nice! So you were the uh, the instigator was, in that situation. It was great. It was. <laughs> when you said they were, I think you said they were younger brothers. How much was the age difference? Um, I was five years older than my brother. Uh, my brother Barry and then my brother Derek was two years younger than him, and uh, Rodney mm. was two years younger. Okay, than so him. five and seven. That's 
Yeah. Pretty good age difference if you wanted to scare him. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I had a ball, man. I was my, my, my Friday evening uh, ritual. did you participate in halloween when you're a kid oh absolutely absolutely it was it was great do you have a favorite costume oh god we uh we lived in a uh uh, complex i guess it's called lockfield gardens it's in indianapolis indiana and i was born in general hospital there and we went to my aunt's house and then my father uh, was employed by Lockfield, and he got a got a job there, and so we moved there. And uh, each separate building enclave had it's shaped in a semi triangle, had a uh, I guess foot of five floors each building. You had probably three or four buildings within that that triangle. And in that courtyard, you had a sandbox, monkey bars, uh, swings, sliding boards. Okay. Okay. And you had on the on your left side of the complex, you had at least eight of those in a row going all the way up to the beginning of the complex. So you had all of the, and each one had their own playgrounds. <laughs> and at and on the right side, you had eight on the right side as well. Same thing. In the middle, you had this large green um, island of uh, and a chain that surrounded it, and anyone that was caught even stepping on that on that grass was immediately uh, thrown out of the uh, the complex. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like that. At one end, you had shops and um, beauty shops and other other uh, businesses and the main office at the other end you had after those the last um uh, uh, triangular half triangle shaped housing uh structure you had what was called the group houses which were the uh which were about four or five rows of of um, townhouses and in between that there was a huge playground this playground had swings and sliding boards and teeter totters that were meant to kill kids. <laughs> Aren't they all though? Like they you around. meant to destroy your life. <laughs> if you got, you took your life in your hands. If you got a, I, the, the swing was so it it you know you get a full swing on that thing and you thought you you were going to fly. I mean, really mm-hmm. fly in terms of you were going to take off and hover about fifty feet in the air. That's how long that was. The, the, the sliding board must have had 20 to 25 steps going up before you could get up and, and slide down. So with yeah. all those buildings, Halloween must have been awesome because you did. It was great, man. It was great. I'm telling you, yeah. we had you had a you had a public school right in the on the playground as well in a section there. And I lived right opposite that, that school. That was a public school. My aunt was a the principal there. You had uh, a basketball court, and the basketball court was a famous basketball court because it's called the Dust Bowl, and it's uh, historically uh, uh, written about and, and documented. And uh, and and so I sold Kool Aid there as a kid mm-hmm. for five cents a cup to some mm-hmm. of the great basketball players in NBA history. Oh, shit. I also. 
uh, had, uh, so when we getting back to Halloween, when my mother took us out to, to go Halloween trick or treating, we went to about three or four of those little enclaves <laughs> with <laughs> all of the apartments. And by that time, my bags were full. So right? yep, like that's, we didn't have to go any further. It was crazy. It was a, it was a gorgeous, um, gorgeous place. And it was, um, it, it was something out of, out of, out of a fantasy, out of, out of something that you dream up. But I can't really describe it the way it should be described. Did you, did you have a favorite costume? Oh goodness. I don't remember them. I think I had ghost costumes and I think I had pirate costumes and that kind of thing. I don't remember exactly. I, I had one for each, each Halloween for quite a while. And then my brothers came. <laughs> <laughs> and, and as I got older, I don't think I was, I think I stopped going trick-or-treating by the time the youngest brother was born. And, and, okay. and at that point, I was about um, nine years old or something, whatever. And I was, yeah. I mean, that's what happens. You know, you grow out of it. You, give, you yeah, go from grew out of it. trick-or-treating yeah. to now it's time to go to parties. That's right. Well, it was certainly time to think of other things. That's for sure. Mm, yeah. And um, but it was it was a it was a great great uh, environment and a very strong community. Uh, uh, people looked out for you. Of course, they they were, you know, in those days, if you did something wrong, you got you got a beating from the next door, from the neighbor who saw you doing it, and then your mother beat you when you got home as well. Damn. So you, you you didn't you didn't uh, you know you didn't take a chance of doing anything and let anybody spot that's, you because you certainly that's a good that's a good segue into the next question which yeah. is did you, did you have anything in real life that actually terrified you in real life that terrified yeah. me mm-hmm. oh. aside from neighbor beatings <laughs> <laughs> that was a terrifying thought you're right you were being, you were being funny but you you hit it dead on the head. Some of those people were cruel. <laughs> You're making me suck. You're making me think of a few faces that I remember, a few beatings I had. And then I said, like, oh, God, damn, I'm going to get that. I'm going to get this from a neighbor. What am I going to get when I got home? So anyway, mm-hmm. so uh, did I, that terrified of anything? I don't think as a young boy, as a young man, you 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 always dream that you're, you know, or you Invincible. think that you're. I always thought that I was Roy Rogers or or, mm-hmm. or um, the singing coward Gene Autry. You know, I was always a Superman. You know, I was uh, the kid. You, know, I was always the hero, like most young kids do. You know, you 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 right. you, you, you think that until somebody bust your bubble, but <laughs> you think that you dream those dreams. Yeah. And certainly I, I was, I wasn't afraid of anything and, and probably should have been, but I, I, I remember, I'll give you an example. We, um, there was a, there wasn't a swimming pool near us. And the closest one was in a place called Hallville, which is a, a community that was a little bit of uh, a few miles away. And it was, I think it was a five mile walk. And there was a shortcut, but you had to go across White River or White Creek, I think, something like that. And there's a train trussle. So you had to walk across this train trussle. And so 
my mother told me never to do it, of course. And my but my neighbors did it all the time. So then it's it cut off about an hour, about a mile or two. So I'm, I'm getting stand by me vibes. Yeah, hey, right? that's right. That's right. That's exactly <laughs> it. And so so we uh, so I grabbed my brothers. And I said, if those guys are going to do it. We're going to do it. Come on, right. we're going across the train trust. We're not going. We're not going to walk that five miles. And it worked out fine until one day, one of my brothers uh, panicked and <laughs> he panicked. The train was coming and he panicked. There was no place to go. I mean, you either you jumping, jumping 30 feet of water or you just uh, 30 feet deep or you just um, you could get run over by the train. So I, I'm trying to get this guy off his hands and knees. <laughs> <laughs> get up. You you got this is like verbatim. Kill me. I said, mom's going to kill me if you don't get up. I can't let you die. Get up, son of a gun. So, you know, that was, that was, um, that was the, the <laughs> one of the fears. One of the fears was being, you know, they were strict disciplinarians back in those days. And my God. Oh, yeah. You know, if you if you did something stupid or screwed up and you need deserved it, deserved it, you got it. And my mother was one to get, not spare the rod. I guarantee no. you, she was she was wonderful in that way, and she should have done it more. My father was a sweetheart. He didn't want to ever hit any of us or talk. Yeah, you know, he these we were his boys, so you know <laughs> everything we did was fine. But my mother, she would just. Uh, Terrible. I can relate. Oh, she, yeah. she she put down the law, my friend. I can relate. I lived with my grandmother uh, growing up, and we didn't know it at the time, but uh, I guess she had had a hysterectomy or something like that at the time, and they had taken the whole thing out. And, of course, back then they didn't know that you had to do hormone replacement uh, therapy. So Ooh. she was going through an early menopause, and Quite yeah, that was me. fun. Yeah. Woo! And you had to yeah, live through so. it. You were you were you you were the wall. There were a couple <laughs> times. I hid, yeah, I there were a couple times I hid under the kitchen table from her. Yes, oh yes, yes. We had another. Um, um, my cousin and I had a. Uh, I guess she was a great aunt. So she was married to to one of the great uncles that I didn't know was dead before I I was born. But anyway, mm-hmm. she lived with my aunt, and boy, we would tease her, and she would she would iron with her, her ironing board, and we would find, you know find some time to tease her because we had eaten, we'd done everything else in the, out in the yard and wherever we could run around, and so we said, let's tease Miss Georgie, and she would just hum those church songs, mm-hmm. the church song, church humming those ironing her clothes, and wouldn't pay any attention, and we tease her, and tease her, and tease her. And she had a ironing cord that she had kept near her. <laughs> oh. the, the, not the cord that, she, that was attached to the iron, but the spare one. And we would, and then occasionally she would catch us with that ironing cord. And boy, <laughs> being hit with an ironing cord is no fun. <laughs> she gave us exactly what we deserved for, for bothering that old lady. So she <laughs> play with the bowl, get the horns. Yeah, there you go, buddy. Let me tell you. So yeah, that's that's. I think that you know, I I I pretty much dared you know. Stood in the wind and dared the fantastic to do something to me, you know? 
Mm. I was a young kid. I, that nothing could hurt me then. You know, nothing. I didn't think anything could. You know, you got to protect fools and babies, and I certainly <laughs> it was that. So, mm. you know. did you have any reoccurring dreams when you were a kid? Reoccurring dreams? Yeah, like nightmares. I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't. I can't remember. No. Okay. Yeah, it sounds like you're a pretty question. Uh, fearless little kid. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. I, you know, and you, you, you think that, you, well, the, the, those, the sliding board and the swings get the hell out of me in Lockfield. I, I mean, tell yeah, you that because they were just intimidating as, as, as all get out. I, I, I don't know how a lot of kids, a lot of kids had a lot more heart than I did. I, I, I got on them, I did it, but a lot of kids just went up there and zip, and I said, damn, okay. But it wasn't mm-hmm. really that that was intimidation. But I I it was a good testing ground for 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 developing young manhood in that in that community. And and uh you know, so we, we were we were pretty pretty staunch and tough kids. Yeah. We nothing was gonna hurt us. And also, you know, as I said, you know, I was watching the, the Lone Ranger and uh the Superman and those kind of things. So I thought I was that person. You know, okay. you couldn't tell me I wasn't Roy Rogers. Hmm? You couldn't tell me I I couldn't. Uh, you know, I couldn't do what he's doing. My my, even though my um, horse trigger was a um, a broomstick, <laughs> an old broom, beat up broom that nobody wanted, and it was, and I used that as my horse. Like all the other kids. <laughs> yeah, that's what you do when you're a kid. Yeah. yeah. You, you have to be inventive. The you're ahead that. of your time because now you got kids with the hobby horse thing and they're doing just that. Oh, so man. These are kids that had money, man. We had no money. <laughs> right. <laughs> we had no money. We ate well. You know, there's always plenty of food. And we had, we were voracious eaters. We were big boys. And uh, so we, we ate well. The strange thing about, about growing up in Indiana, there was a there was either a peach tree, an apple tree, a cherry tree, a grapevine, and almost every yard is a there's a variety of some there's a tree of some sort hmm. of fruit, and you could spend when I got out of Blockfield, we moved back into you know the regular community. Uh, we were we would uh, as young kids we would. You know, just eat breakfast and then just take off and go, you know, running around and having a good time. And if we got hungry, we just look at somebody's yard and say, what have they got? Yeah, <laughs> we exactly. would raid the we apple had a few trees. people with uh, like tangerine trees and it was but mostly apple, cherry trees, grapevines. That was the, the that was pretty much what the, what what we we sustained ourselves with. So we mm. we we ate a lot of apples and a lot of grapes and a lot of cherries. You know what? Now you mention it, I remember we had a peach tree in my backyard, and uh, I don't remember eating any of those peaches. I just remember stepping in them barefoot a lot because they they yeah. turn real <laughs> quick when they fall. We had some peaches <laughs> as well too. You're absolutely right. Yeah, those two. They they're not as many, but um, Indiana's an apple state, so yeah, we had mm. a lot of apple trees. Yeah. Everybody had an apple tree, and we raided every. <laughs> 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 if, they, if they didn't have a German Shepherd or a bulldog guarding guarding the backyard, we hopped the fence, and, <laughs> and that tree <Straight> was ours. <laughs> so, 
Oh, it was just crazy. Crazy, crazy times, but wonderful times. Wonderful times. So let's jump into teenage years. What uh what were some of your what comes to mind when I say horror in teenage years? Horror in teenagers, Jesus, I don't know. I'm trying to think if I was was I really looking at And you may not have. That's not uncommon. I don't know if I was looking at that much television in those years. I was an athlete. Okay. And so it was basically getting up, going to school, going to practice, coming home, tired, eating dinner, doing the homework and going to sleep. I don't think I I watched a lot of television at that time. I'm trying to think if there's anything that, that really... Maybe movies. Uh, Journey to the Center of the Earth. I think I saw that, but I saw that early. That was early before I left Indiana. I was in Colorado for my sophomore year. Yeah, I was. I was basically. I was. I was always out. I was out out doing something. If I wasn't doing anything, I was uh, outside. I was sleeping or eating. You were the the model child for the parent that says, "Why are you always in front of that TV or playing video games? Get outside." Oh no! They, they, yeah, yeah, they wouldn't. They should have had my life. There was no <laughs> nothing. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I think I was home when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan. Okay, <laughs> I saw that. Okay, I saw okay. that. So there's no horror. I, I, you know, I, I, I don't even remember going to the drive-in, but once or twice. Which is unusual for teenagers, you know. Usually, you can get to drive in almost every weekend with somebody. But I, I was basically just uh, trying to stay out of as much trouble, you know, trying to stay out of trouble because I was still a pretty rambunctious kid and as a sophomore in school, and I I needed to cool that down a bit. So I tried to stay out of trouble, and I was and I was becoming a star athlete as well. So I had to kind of. Keep my nose to the grindstones. I had very little time for television. So I don't know if anything scared me except for, you know, the, some of the life lessons that I was learning. The young African-American boy growing up uh, is a little different than the, uh, an African-American teenager getting bigger and, and having to deal with some of the, some of the realities of life. So that that was that was a little disturbing sometimes, but... Other than that, wasn't much there. I was pretty dull, pretty much like I am now. Dull. Give me a documentary and a and a, and a glass of glass of crystal light, and I'm happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so I'm not as a lot of people think that I might live a more exciting life. But you know, I'm I'm happy, but I don't I don't do a lot of um, a lot of what people might think I do. I don't know if you noticed, but uh, I actually lost my internet connection there for a minute. Um, I did notice. Yeah. Ooh. So yeah. what I'm going to do in the past when this has happened, we've learned that <clears throat> there's a chance that we could lose some audio. So I'm going to actually hit stop recording on my side. Recording again. So last thing I heard was that you were in Colorado for your um, sophomore year. Yes, yes, so yes. You had uh, yes. you'd stopped participating in Halloween by then. Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I, I, I you know, I, I think that you know, 
I don't know. We might have had a few Halloween parties during the school year. You know, it's good that, you know, every school year. You know, might have had a few dances, that kind of thing. So we did that. Okay. But it's basically high school stuff. I, I don't. Re- right. I don't remember if I was influenced by any horror. I think I think I'd already cemented that during my my years in Indiana. It's not uncommon. A lot of our guests have had similar stories where they had either some sort of experience in their childhood and then went to something else in their teenage years and came back to it in adulthood, yeah. or maybe didn't even have it in their childhood at all and didn't come into it until later. Yeah, yeah. that's. That's part of the, you know, interesting thing about talking about this kind of stuff is, you know, everybody's life is different. So, uh, anything actually scare you in your teenage years? My teenage years. Ah, Poverty. Mm. That's a real terror. Yeah. Yeah. That that is a very. You know, you, you get to be a teenager and you want certain things. And. We had we had we had a, a more difficult time in Colorado than we than we expected. So hmm. it was tough for my family. And it's also something more common to learn as a teenager because often as a kid, you your parents go to extra lengths to make sure that you know you don't see that kind of thing until yeah yeah. And as a teenager, I could see it and felt it and. Uh, you know, when you want to, when you want to go and have a, a spending spree at the local department store, or, mm. you know, and buy every this, this, and that, and then you don't have a dime, right. <laughs> you know that your parents don't. So, you yeah. leave that alone. Okay. So that that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can relate to that too. My grand, like I said, I was raised by my grandmother, and she was born in the Great Depression. So, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. There's pros and cons to it too, though. I mean, Mm -hmm. as an adult now, it's very nice to, I have a very clear delineation between what I want and what I need. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, there's Mm -hmm. a lot of people who don't have that and they just blow a lot of money that uh, to me, I look at it and go, okay, well, you know, that's you, but you know. Yeah. I had an uncle who went to uh, Indiana University and I think my uncle was been there in the thirties, forties. 40, somewhere like that. And from what I understand, the story goes that he wore the same pair of pants and suit for winter and a pair of pants and suit for summer. And he wore that four years. You know, that was it. (laughs) Take that, Einstein. Well, now that we've got the whole COVID working from home thing, wear the same clothes for three or four years and nobody even knows. (laughs) Yes, yes. I may or I may not like, have worn uh, a pan, yeah. pair of pants for like five days straight. I, I don't know. Yeah, you gain weight, <laughs> and you, you, you gain weight, and you don't shave, and you next you go in the house, and then COVID hits, and then the next thing you come out, and no one recognizes you. you. Say who's yeah, who's the who's the big fat man? Oh, that's <laughs> it's insulation. That it's face insulation and body <laughs> insulation. That's that's what it's yeah yeah, yeah. guilty as charged. Mm-hmm. Uh, actually, before we jump into the adulthood uh, questions. I mean, elephant in the room, you're an actor, you've been in some horror movies. How did that happen? Like I, how did you get into acting? How did you get into that stuff? Oh, gee, gee, that's, um, that's an interesting story. I was in New York. I had a photography studio. I had worked at, at different jobs. I was, you know, still young, but I, 
worked with I was the I was the manager of the Baronet Cornet Theater, the Fine Arts Theater, and the Festival Theater and the DeMille Theater. All those four hmm. different theaters wow. in New York City. And I'll just give you a lineup of what premiered at those theaters. At the Baronet Cornet, it was um, The Exorcist and uh, and uh, my God, my God, uh, Mrs. Robertson, uh, Dustin Hoffman, oh, the graduate, the graduate. Uh, at the Fine Arts, it was the producers. At the festival, it was Deer Hunter, and at the uh, mill, it was the Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Wow! And you were manager yeah. of all these uh, activities and places yeah, at the yeah, same time, yeah, or yeah, like yeah, over I mean, you know, not at the same time. No, no, I moved from theater to theater to theater. You know, just moving around. So yeah, I was, yeah, you're giving those to me, and I'm going. Well, the deer hunter came out early, later. That was, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So you were you got into being a, a oh, oh sorry, sorry, yeah, yeah, yeah. I had um, <laughs> the only theater I had. We <laughs> we did a senior boys play at Annunciation High School in Denver, Colorado. And we decided the boys, the senior boys play now. We're going to play, we will, we put on Snow White in the Seven Drawers. Dwarfs. And you did it the Shakespearean way. Oh, please. Let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And see, <laughs> so I opened the play and I come out and I have my mother's dress on. I have my basketball shoes and sweat socks on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And I have this knit, this little knit hat, those little knit hats that women used to wear with little, like a skull mm. cap, but it looks like little hair, mm. little tweeds of okay. hair. I mean, they, 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 it's a style that women use, you know, kind of twisting their hair into little braids and, and they, they stick up. I had this little brown hat and I had it on my head. That was supposed to be my hair. And I had an apple and and in a cloth, and I was playing the Wicked Witch. <laughs> so I stepped out on on stage, and the entire gymnasium, the entire auditorium, every nun, all the all the kids, and all the, the freshmen through seniors, they were laughing so hard. Some of them were falling off the chairs. They were laughing so hard. I couldn't. I tried to get up my first line every time I opened my mouth, they would die laughing. <laughs> so, so that was the only time I've ever been on stage. And that was that was so memorable because it was the funniest time. I, sometimes you you know you get I don't know if you guys know um any of the sisters of the of the faith or any of the nuns of been to Catholics, been around Catholics. But there's we always went a nun. To Catholic schools, yeah. Yeah, you know, it's always a nun that doesn't smile. A oh. nun that never, <laughs> in in my know, experience, there's occasionally a nun that does smile. Most of them are just deadpan. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. That's what I'm saying. Well, I, yeah. we had a we had a few nuns that did not <laughs> did not smile. <laughs> so they're just staring. And at they were laughing their head off. They oh, they were. were. Oh. oh my God, they were laughing. I mean, they broke up everyone. I I think I took. I think 10 minutes, maybe, maybe <laughs> a little over 10 minutes to get out my first line. I'm, I'm serious. And I, I, I'm not exaggerating. It, it was that long because every time I opened, I went, 
I think I said mirror, mirror or something, <laughs> whatever, and they would laugh there. So I was a star athlete. I was there. So they to see me dressed up like that and see that they just cracked up. They just, so that was the only time I've ever been on stage until uh, I'll go back to New York now. I, um, and, and then I got involved in counseling in the high schools in New York. And then some political programs as well, uh, some political organizations around the city. And I opened a th- photographer's workshop, uh, not photographer's workshop, a photographer's studio with a mm. friend of mine. And uh, we were robbed within the first two months. And we didn't have insurance order. yet. Yep, we didn't have insurance yet. They took everything, all our cameras. We had a dark room. That's when we had new people we used in dark rooms, and we had all our our equipment and our chemicals and we had uh, you know several very nice cameras and uh, they took everything so I was in between what I was going to do at that point and I was I was talking to a an actress I knew and she and her name's Cheryl Carter she's an actress she was in a Michael Keaton film I think with with Henry Winkler I think it was and I can't think of the name of it but she was um She's an actress, and she was telling me about going down and auditioning. She said, listen, I got to go down and audition for a part on 42nd Street. Will you co- why don't you come with me? We'll have some need afterwards. I said, okay, why not? So I went down, and I, I sat in the audience, and I saw what they were doing. And somebody said, why don't you read? I said, hmm, read what? I said, just read, mm-hmm. just for the fun of it. I said, okay, why not? So I went up and I I read, and I was given the lead in off-Broadway play. Nice. That was the beginning of my career. Huh. Very unorthodox, but that's how, how it started. And, uh, right. From there, I got great reviews at the Manhattan Theater Club, and I went on to do several other off-Broadway plays, and I got a Kojak, and I got Bingo Long Traveling All-Stars and Motor Kings, and the rest is history. So I'm I'm just trying to think of the timeline in terms of like where horror came back into your life, you know, for the theme of this show anyway. Okay, yeah. Let let me. I can I, I can tell you a real interesting story about being sure. an actor just before that happened. Okay. Okay. Before the Dawn of the Dead happened. Okay, and then we can segue up to Dawn of the Dead and other horror stuff. This is a okay. real interesting story. And it relates to something I'm doing right now. Anyway, so I get a call, and I this is 75. They said, listen, they want to see you at the United Artists Building. I said, who? I said, just some people want to meet you. You just go over there. The showbiz people, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> and so Why I went over so to Broadway. <laughs> What do you say? I said, why are you asking so many questions? Just, right, just get over there. Get your ass over there, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so, anyway, so I go up and I meet these two people. One was uh, named Chris Mankiewicz, and the other was a woman by the name of Anna Navarro. And they told me that they were looking for somebody, and they were looking at two people, and they're looking for a, pro- a project that they were going to shoot, and... They really wanted to see some of my work and did I have any reels or anything like that? And I said, no, I don't have anything like that. I said, okay, um, we'd really like to see your work because we've heard we're looking for your type. And uh, so 
So I, I convinced them to come down and see me. They said, no, I don't. Well, first of all, they said, no, they didn't have time. They couldn't do it. And I said, no, you, if you really want to see me work, come down to my, my acting class tonight. I'm doing a uh, scene from The Great White Hope. So come down and see me, see me do this. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I convinced them to come. And they uh, came down after I did my scene. They told me to meet them in the lobby, and I did. They said, come up and see us tomorrow morning. At, at eight o'clock, at nine o'clock. So I get there at eight, <laughs> and nobody's at a ten. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, you definitely so, made it on time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So in the days before cell phones. That's right, baby. That's right. So uh, they take they take me in and they tell me the, the film is about Crispus Attucks, the first man killed in the American Revolutionary War. Hmm. That they're going to shoot it in Jamaica in Boston, and the UK, and that my co-stars would be Trevor Howard and John Gilgood, Sir Trevor Howard and Sir John Gilgood. Mm-hmm. Nice. That they were going to release it for the bicentennial and that I would travel all over the country and probably, and, and also the UK to advertise, to publicize it, you know, that kind of thing. And it was going to make me a huge star. And I said, oh, really? <laughs> so they said, uh, they said that, that um, they were looking at me and a, and a gentleman on the East Coast and a gentleman uh, who was out on the West Coast named an actor by the name of Dick Anthony Williams. Uh, did you see Steve Martin in that, um, uh, what's that thing where he was, he was, he, he was born to a black family? The jerk? The jerk, yeah, I think it was the jerk, the jerk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you, well, the well, Dick Anthony Williams played his brother in the Black Family, tall, light skinned ah. guy. So they they were looking for a mulatto, and they had me and Dick Anthony Williams as the two candidates. And they said, "We really think you're going to be the, you're the one. You have to take a screen test, of course, but we really think you're going to we really want you." And I said, "Oh, okay. I'm going. Wow, this is real." This is really, really happening. I, of course, left there and got an elevator, and I, you, I couldn't feel the ground under my feet. I was mm-hmm. just floating. I, I had, <laughs> said, "Gee, look, Sir John Gilgood, Trevor Howard, are you kidding me? Are you, my co-stars? I'm gonna be a, a Christmas addicts, the first man, the first, the first patriot, the, the American hero." First American hero, the first one to die in the American Revolutionary War. I'm going to be that person, represent that person. I was, I was just, I was just wild. I said, "This is great, really great." So I get home, and they said, "We'll call you in a couple of weeks. We have to, to clean up some financial matters." And so um, I said, "Okay." So I didn't hear from them in uh, two weeks, and third week came around. I said, "What's going on here?" And I went back to the office at United Artists, and I asked for them. I said, no, they were just using these offices. And it was Philip Kurtzner. I'm trying to think of the Kratzner. Maybe he was a, he was a producer. Those were his offices. Though they, They're back in California. I said, well, would you let them know that, that I stopped by? And I was curious to know what was going on. Could they contact me? They said, sure, we don't know. And so I got a call from um, Chris Mankiewicz a few days later. 
And that year, they had changed the tax laws. And half the films that were slated to go lost their funding. Ooh. And Christmas Addicts was one of them. It happens. It does, yeah. Happens, brother. I could tell you more about how, how many chances I've had. <laughs> but anyway. So you said that you said that tied in with something you're doing now? Yeah, yeah. I wrote a see the in that that city of Indianapolis, Indiana that I described to you in that project, Lockfield Gardens, there was a street Indiana Avenue where all the great jazz artists played, including uh, Smokey Carmichael. All the all the great jazz artists would play, and then around the corner, within blocks, was a high school that was built in uh, in 1927, opened in 1927, uh, and it was a school where they wanted to bring get the blacks out of the white schools in Indianapolis because they were afraid of miscegenation, and so right. they uh, moved them all into. And all, all of them getting in with the glee club and wanted to be on this, so the, the social, the, the uh, whatever social kind of uh, activities have gone on in school. There were just too many black children in the white schools and it's becoming a problem. So they moved them all into Christmas addicts. And so it's a unique situation because of a big industrial city like Indianapolis, you have all of these people who are in the black community who now from 1927 to to 1970s, when it was it was integrated in 73, so all these people have gone to this school and they know each other. Mm. I know that you're Jones. Or I know you, I went to school with your sister. I went to school with your uncle. It's a community. They all knew yeah. each other from generation to generation. So this is. You know, many generations on top of each other from 1927 all the way back. The people just knew your families. And so my father's family had eight uh, siblings and they all went to addicts. My, the, the, the one that, um, I told you about that went to IU and was the, and wore the suits. He was the, uh, he was the captain of the ROTC at addicts. So I think what we skipped was that the name of the school was Christmas, Christmas Addicts. Atticus. Yes, Christmas right. Addicts. Yes, no, I said that. Christmas yeah. Addicts High School. And so I I wrote a six-hour, have written a six-hour lim- limited series about Addicts, Christmas Addicts High School. It's called Addicts. And I'm pushing it right now and trying to get uh, it seen in terms of uh, agents and uh production houses, because it's, it's a great uh, piece of work. And we've had some really fine, fine reviews uh, of the writing and the uh, story. Spike Lee, Spike Lee did a 20-minute documentary, I think, on Oscar and Addicts, Oscar Robertson and Addicts. Oscar Robertson nice. went to that school, and Oscar Robertson was considered the uh, best basketball player to have ever played the game until Michael Jordan came around. Mm-hmm. Just, you know, it's it's a, a wonderful piece of work, and we're just trying to, to get it um, on the right desks and the right people. And I've spent, I've spent a lot of time developing it, did a lot of research, and and it's a one, it's just great. Then uh, uh, I've written, uh, uh, but, but what I have now is a serial killer script that I've uh, taken a young child from the age of five and do adolescence and, and his teenage years and his, um, uh, until he becomes in, uh, well, he becomes a killer. And Interesting. He so it's like the story the of the, the life and forming of this serial killer. 
Exactly, exactly, exactly. Well, we wish you good luck on all of that stuff. I'm curious to go back to the, um, you mentioned that being considered for that role then kind of played into how you got into the horror roles. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I was I was doing my uh, my third, maybe fourth off Broadway production. One of the actors told me, "Hey, they're looking for somebody that might you might fit the uh, bill, you know, a big big guy that's you know imposing guy like you. So maybe you might want to go up and try out and, and audition." So I got the address, I called, made an appointment, and went up to Midtown and Richard Rubenstein's office, George Romero's office. Went in, auditioned with Galen Scott and David M. King. Went back a week later, or a few days later, and auditioned with three other individuals. And then they called me a few days after that and told me that I had the role. And that's how I got Dawn of the Dead. Okay. I was the only person. See, See, there's always a story on top of a story with me, you know. So <laughs> you got to have an intro story to connect to the story. Uh, I, I you know? got, I, I got, you know, I've got. When I start, I always have something that's that that, that, that comes to mind. I um, I had my side card. I was, uh, I had to have it for Bingo Long mm-hmm. and Kojak. So I had, I had SAG after. I, I I was a union member, right, and. I wasn't working. I was just doing stage and trying to trying to you know pick up a little, little work and I think I was assistant manager of a bar and really I was a bouncer, you know, so bartender slash bouncer slash assistant manager. So I'm uh, doing that stuff and I said I get this script and I said, oh God! I knew Donald Night Living Dead. I was a friend of Dwayne Jones. We had been involved in the same theater group and activist group uh, for years. So I saw Dwayne all the time. I was one of the first people, I guess. I don't know if I was one of the first people, but I certainly was one of the people that saw his picture at, on a, a marquee on 125th Street movie house and, and said, and ran down to where we had a loss where we had our, our, our meetings at our organization. I said, Dwayne, you're in a movie. You're in a movie, man. What is that? He said, shh, don't say anything. Don't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> I said, okay, but why are you keeping it quiet, man? He said, I'll tell you about it later. I'll tell you about it later. So, uh, so I, 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 knew, I, I, I knew the film. I, I liked I was a fan of the, of the film. Uh, certainly, Dwayne was in it, so I definitely was going to watch. So, you know, I, I, I got this script, and I said, oh, my God, this is in color. This is gonna be a color. My God, there's there's a lot of blood let in here. Matter of fact, there's gonna be gore everywhere, uh, entrails flowing all over this place. Then I said, "This is too bloody." They're not gonna let this thing in this in in the country. <laughs> I said, "I said, I, okay, I need money badly. Okay, I'm gonna take a chance. This this thing will not play Guam." That alone get in the United States. I'm going to take my chance. So I took the chance. I was the only SAG member on the set. And <laughs> Salah Hassanin and uh, Richard Rubenstein, I tipped my hat to them. They got this thing played in every drive-in, midnight uh, screening, upscale theater, 
in the country. They had it everywhere across the country. This thing played and it got press everywhere. I mean, we were on Gene Shallot, uh, um, Rona Barrett. There was so many. Gene Shallot wrote with Cisco and Ebert. Right. Uh, I forget the other. Rex Reed. Mm. All of those people gave us a thumb up, thumbs up. They, some of them said, I'm not going to see it again. But for those people <laughs> that, that, that like this stuff, it's very good. We give it a thumbs up. I would say that's a mission accomplished us. when somebody says, I don't want to see right. that again. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, in, dang, dang, and it scared me kind of way, not it was bad. Yeah. No, it was it was a compliment. It was yeah. a compliment. Yeah. You know, because they, yeah. they said, you know, it's not my kind of kind of genre, but it's not the genre I'm interested in. But this is very good. So you should see right. it. So when I got, I followed it out to California. And when I got to California, my God, uh, it was, it was everywhere. I was driving. Oh, I got so many stories. I can't tell you. I'm not going to get it. Back. I got to get out of here in a few minutes. So what to cut this, but I, I'm just tell you that um, when I got out to um, California, oh, I said, okay, I'm going to get some acting work here. And I, I knew some guys because I, I met all those guys from Universal doing Bingo Long, and I knew all the assistant directors and the uh, project managers and stuff, so they were going to hook me up. Well, <laughs> hang on a second. Rather than going into the, the rest of your career here, um, you know, what I'm the vibe I'm getting out of this, and, and it's not uncommon even for myself, for example, I don't really consider or had not considered myself a fan of horror until maybe – the last five years, I happen to find a particular subgenre that has something that I appreciate. Mm-hmm. And it sounds to me like that might be kind of a similar situation with you. You know, there was some stuff in your childhood that, that you liked, but it wasn't really important to you until, you know, now you've got a career in it and maybe there's some things about it as an adult that you appreciate. But, you know, it doesn't sound like it was and, and correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, maybe I'm wrong and it just hasn't come across in the phone call, but it doesn't sound like horror was a big part of your life up until your career. I know that there was always that child in me that said, scare me to death. Mm-hmm. It's just that I didn't, uh, I, I wasn't seeking it out. I, I, I caught it when I could, you know, when, when it's something, I just can't remember what they were, but I, mm-hmm. I, I, I've, um, you know, I, I love great horror. You know, if you if you if I can sit down and watch it, and you can get me to sit down and watch it, I'll, I'll you know. Right. I, I was the first. Um, I was on the jury at Sieges, and uh, okay. when Old Boy came out, and when they were had the in, inside as well. Oh wow! And uh, and and it didn't get uh, that didn't get to to the United States until years later. Mm. When you say on the jury, you mean like on a judges a judges panel or yes, 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 nice. yes. And so, and so I, you know, oh my God. I mean, the old boy came out. Uh, we voted old boy as, as the number one film. There were several others that were great films. I, I, I what did you like about old boy? Oh God. How devastating. (laughs) I love Korean horror. Yeah. I love Korean directors. I love their horror. I, I, I just, you know, there there is something that they they do that just captivates me when I watch good Korean horror, and they do it mm. well. Uh, Johnny Toe in, in 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 Hong Kong too does very well. More action adventure, mm. but he but he but he but he's 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 good as well. I used to I was very much into Japanese as well. Japanese uh, 
uh, uh, films and certainly Samurai and Sumi Kurosawa. So I, mm. I that's been a lot. So I, you know, I like good, you know, I like good stuff, you know, no matter what it is. It's good. I mean, I was mm. taken by Lawrence Olivier doing Othello when I was eight years old. So I was a little strange. <laughs> okay. Mm. So, but, um, no, I, I, you know, I, I love, um, I love horror. It's, it's still part of me. I, it, Inside is, is still one of my favorite horror films for being totally gory and, and, and sickening, but, but, but a great story. Do um, you see any kind of common threads about what kind of horror you like, like monster films, metaphysical, body horror? Oh, God, I don't know. I don't know. I watched one recently. Not recently, but in the last year, uh, they were they're trapped in a cave. I can't think of the name. The descent. Descent. Yes, descent. Yes, descent. I like descent. Also, like the um, was it the level levels? Was it levels? Is it oh, the, the one platform? The platform? Platform? Yeah, I still haven't checked that out. I see it all over the place. Yeah. It looks good. Love platform. Love platform. What'd you like about the descent? Oh, just, just gruelly. And the story, twisty, mm-hmm. just, 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 just um, great act, great, 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 great actors, and and the story was very uh, pretty predictable and then complex at the same time. Yeah, you know what I mean. Okay. You know, you, you thought you got you got it, and then oh, oh, well, okay. <laughs> if I'm this not mistaken, uh, I think the woman who played Sarah in The Descent is in something that came out recently, too, called uh, Oxygen. Where the whole thing is her inside mm-hmm. of a, a life support unit. So it's just one of those, mm-hmm. like Ryan Reynolds and the one where he was buried, uh, mm-hmm. was the name of it, buried. Um, just, it's just her the whole time, but um, that's mm-hmm. really good. If you like Descent, then um, oh. Shauna McDonald, her. Yeah, yeah. I like, I like uh, The Invisible Man, too. I mean, which one? There's like... All of them. <laughs> all of them. All of them. Do you see any common threads about the kinds of stories in them that you like? If not, maybe the the trappings. Then is there common threads? There, the there is not. See that that's that's you know that's one thing about me. I like good horror, good music, and I can like different different styles. Mm-hmm. You know, just so it's just so it's good. If I if I find it good, then I like it. I'm not. There's nothing that I'm not someone that that likes a certain style. That and and that, that well, like. I, and I I didn't mean to say that you were. I wasn't trying to pigeonhole you, hole you, but it was more trying to say that if we could find some sort of common themes, then that might speak to what it is that you personally get out of uh, the enjoyment of these things. Do you know what I mean? Oh God, I, you know, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I I I think that it's always it's always that you find something that makes you jump, <laughs> you know, something that that shocks you. Yeah, that that something that 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 makes you take a deep breath, you know. And 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 it's always you know in the Alien, it was always the guy lies on the table, and that thing pops out of his gut, and that for me was. That was enough. The other things were were okay, but you know, and a little terrifying. But the thing that the, the part that the, where he comes out where he's suffering and it's and the same thing. I guess I guess I guess the emotion that shows the 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 most torment 
the pain mm-hmm. and the the climax from that, whether it's going to be good or bad, you know. I, I remember on inside it was just, just this woman was going to have a baby and this, this, this woman was trying to kill her with everything she could. And it, it was, it was, is she going to do it? Is she going to, I like mystery. I like, I like suspense. I like, I like, um, I like a good story. Mm-hmm. And the stories, and the stories are important, like platform. Platform had a great story. You know, oh, this is. I mean, that can be a common theme. That's uh, that's something that's come up in a couple of our guests in the past. Is just um, whether it's body horror or slasher. This I like a good story as long as it's a well put together writing. You know, it's story and that wow factor and the and the jump out of your seat factor. Okay. You know, those are the three things that I would look for. You know, something that's good, that intrigues me, keeps me in the story. I'm involved. Uh, I'm surprised by it. And then um, something that's going to make me go, oh, I want to jump out of my seat. I want to see that. That's that's a hell of a a horror film. That's that's what I appreciate. I was going to. I think the reason. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Uh, Well, all the things that you've mentioned are perfectly fine and accurate. What we sometimes find, and this is not always the case, just saying that sometimes we've had some guests that in talking about these things, you know, we've seen common threads crop up that even the guests didn't necessarily expect. Like for example, we had one guest who, uh, had uh, haunted houses. He had a, th- a love of haunt things that involved haunted houses. Mm-hmm, and when mm-hmm. we dug into that, it turned out that when he was a kid, uh, he and his father used to put on a haunted house uh, in their yard for the neighbors and mm-hmm. things like that. So there was like this, uh, maybe a, a strong familial connection with his father, with mm-hmm. another guest, we discovered that they had a common thread that kept popping up about eyes having mm-hmm. fears related to eyes being affected in movies. And, and for that person, um, he was an artist. And so losing obviously his, his sense of sight as an artist is a very traumatic thing and would mm-hmm. probably stop him from being able to draw and things mm-hmm. like that. So all of the things that you've mentioned obviously make sense and there's nothing wrong with it. Just saying, this is it. There's nothing deeper than that. Um, it, it part of, it's just that part of the conversation we have is trying to see, if there is anything deeper and it doesn't need to be, but it's interesting sometimes if there is, I don't think that I have anything that is going <laughs> any deeper than, 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 than the, than the story. I don't, I think the story is, is far more important than anything else for me. And if it's a good story, then I am involved and I'm uh, thrilled with it. I, I, I'm able to follow it. And it may take me in any direction and, and for this journey. I'll follow the journey of the story if it's good. And that's and when you mentioned and when you mentioned as a child, for example, listening to The Lone Ranger and Superman and things like that. Yeah. You know, a good story, you know, the excitement, it seems like it might be the just the common theme for you is just the, the excitement of it. There, there has to be for, for a horror film, there's got to be. I, and, you know, again, that's that's horror, and I, I'm not quite sure. You know, I'm, I'm a different kind of candidate for this because I, I'm probably mm-hmm. I like various influences, and, I, and I'm not quite sure if 
if, you know, what I experienced as a child would have anything to do with. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it does. I don't think, I think that I, like everyone else as a child, I had that Friday night scare me to death. Oh, we were scared. And I still look for a horror film to at least uh, have a great story like um, Descent. And there are stories like The Omen, the one with the kid, uh, the, the, the boy next door, the boy, the, the, the little, the people who took care of this little puppet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they, yeah, it was just the boy. Yeah, yeah, the boy. Yeah, I mean, I, I love that story. Mm-hmm. It wasn't much. You know, and in terms of, you know, you know, you kind of Let look me. at it and you said it's kind of, you know, it's kind of, come on now, really? They're not really, they're not really making a, they're not really keeping a toy, toy <laughs> baby. And they're gonna kill this is not really going to sell. But it, but as I watched it, I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. So Let I me try something. Let me try something else or try something different. I'm going to ask you two questions. I'm going to give them to you at the same time because it could be the same answer for both or it could be two different answers. And these two questions I'm going to ask you, we're not just talking about horror. It's any genre and any time of your life, young, you know, childhood or adulthood. So the two questions are, if you had to pick a favorite movie, what's your favorite movie? And then the second question is, what movie do you think you've watched more times than any other? (laughs) <laughs> so basically desert island movie and that's the one you've watched more than <laughs> you know you know steve you you, you really got the wrong guy yeah, <laughs> well no no wait a minute i tell you I, why i tell you why i tell you what my favorite movie i can give you i can, I can give you off the top of my head sure go ahead. I, I, I can give you one and i can give you 50 but i'm gonna give you one okay <laughs> okay First it comes okay. To you, okay uh lawns of arabia okay all right, and and, and 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 you know, if you want to know why, I can tell you why. Go for it. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I love the cinematography. I love David Lean. I love okay. I love uh, uh, Anthony Quinn saying, "I am a I am a river to my people." Mm-hmm. Uh, I love that okay. character. I love uh, I love Peter O'Toole with the match in his hand. I love the sand. I love the, the, the beauty. I love the sunset. I love the sun. I love when they're in the desert. I love when the guy falls off the camel and he has to go get him. And then when he gets him and saves him, he has to kill him in the next few scenes. Okay. Uh, so the that, second, the second question. Yes, sir. Which one, which one have you seen more time or more times than any other? <laughs> Spartacus or Lawrence of Arabia. I can name maybe the, those two. I mean, that's impressive. If Sunset Boulevard. Okay. It's a wonderful life. I've okay. seen, I've seen more and also any Frank Capra movie. I love Frank Capra. So the reason that I wanted to ask those two questions is because they would do one of two things. They would either highlight something new that we haven't talked about or underscore something we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. And I think they under, in this case, it's actually underscoring something we already talked about, which is, Going back to the Lone Ranger and the hero, baby, hero, Lone Ranger. These are adventures. Sure, these are adventures. The adventures. I love adventure movies. Yes, but but at the same time, if you put me in front of Mister Smith goes to Washington Mm -hmm. or meet John Doe, I am as I am as happy as a man can be. Well, Mister Smith goes to Washington could be a hero movie. I mean, he he was a hero. They were heroes as well. 
That's right. Right. So yes, you could if you if you want if you want to if you want to plug it and if you want if you want to find that there's a common thread between them, it is that I love where someone is fighting for justice, someone is fighting for someone else, somebody is standing up to all the um, the um, um, so standing up to the forces and and, and fighting for the under the, the underdog mm-hmm. and is the right. hero. Yes, I love those. Champion of and I love those kind of films. And I love action adventure, you know. I love good more war movies as well. Yeah. <laughs> and that can also apply to horror as well. Yeah. 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 I've just uh, I'm just a confused uh, mix of uh <laughs> No, I mean that that all sounds pretty logical to me. The I guess the last question I'd like to ask then is just considering the theme of the podcast, is there anything else you've thought about that we haven't asked about? Hmm. That's a question. That's a good question. Have you thought about that? Um Yeah. What's that? Yeah. Well, hell, you haven't asked. We really didn't get into the other guys. What other guys? Rob Zombie. We didn't get into Texas Chainsaw Massacre. We had a lot of stories about these. So let me ask. So let me ask you something. Yeah. Like one of the things that's come up often in, in our podcast and in other calls is, you know, there's a difference between being a fan of something mm-hmm. and being an auteur. Mm-hmm. And in your case, the work that you're doing, you obviously have an appreciation for it as the auteur. Yes. But and for some people, it's impossible to split the split out to their love of something as an auteur from their love of, of something as a fan. I understand. Are do you think you're capable of doing that, or is that too tied in with you? I I am capable of doing that. I'm sure. Okay. So, what do you like about those things as a fan? As a fan, um, the the end product. You know, I'm appreciate. I appreciate when I see. When I saw Dawn of the Dead, when I saw Texas Chainsaw Massacre, when I saw them as a I, as as a fan, I, I liked what I, it was again taking me back to when I was in in as a, as a kid watching them. You know, same thing. It's me. It's the dark lights. It's watching a great, great, great horror film, and it's um, you know, it's, it's relive. I guess it's the same feeling that I had as as a child. Okay. You know, really that living. thrill of the, of, of the scare. That same thrill. Yes. So as a fan, I had that, you know, watching all of those films. I didn't, I didn't have to be in them. <laughs> just, just watching them. You know, I've, I've watched, as a matter of fact, I sometimes say, why, why <laughs> close my eyes and say, why am I there? <laughs> Let's move on to the next <laughs> thing. <laughs> I'm enjoying the film. Now I got to think about what my, if my, if my shirt's on straight, you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, you know. a lot of people say that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of people say they can't watch themselves. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes. So I, I find myself becoming, you know, and this is a real issue with sitting with someone else and watching a film. I, because I'm in the business, mm-hmm. I find myself what looking for continuity. Yep. You look for continuity errors or you, you know, listen for audio for problems errors all the time. And I, I can't help it. And I catch yeah. it in some of the best, some of the best productions 
you know, you know, it doesn't matter what the cost of the production of the stars involved or the, yep. or the lack of production quality or the lack of experienced actors. I catch it all the time. And I want to say it to someone who's sitting next to me and I say, <laughs> oh, look at that. Will you shut the hell up? Right? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Don't I, hear I get that. the same thing. People will not watch movies with me because they're like, can we just watch the thing? Yeah, but look, that's a different oh, pattern man, plaid man. on this guy's shirt from the last oh, scene. You didn't catch God. it? I didn't catch it because I'm enjoying the fucking movie. <laughs> that's right. Shut up. Please don't leave the room. Leave the room. Yeah. So I've done, I've done, but it's my house. Yeah. <laughs> right? Get out. All right. Leave, leave the room anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I got, um, um, <laughs> you know, I realized I forgot, uh, at the start of the call, I forgot to give you a spot to pitch whatever it is that you wanted to put your currently work. Oh my God. Currently work. What I got, yeah, what do you I got, got, what do you got? Have you guys, have you seen John Henry guys? I have seen it on I, your page scrolling through a couple of pics. I haven't seen it yet, but, um, yeah, well, wacky character I play. Yeah. Wacky character. Yeah. Yeah. Terry Cruz is in it. Okay. Does a wonderful job. Oh, and, <laughs> and, and um, is it already out? Oh yes, yeah, it's, it's playing. It's, this this let me tell you, got horrible reviews, mm-hmm. <laughs> but this play this played for ten ten days in the top ten Netflix. Nice. Ten days. I I know films that got great reviews. That were uh, high budget films that that did they didn't last ten days in Netflix top ten. This right. did it did the same thing in Europe, and uh, then there's uh, uh, the Rift that's on Amazon Prime. I did it some years ago in Serbia, but it's still still playing, and um, okay. it's just interesting stories about these films, especially about the Rift. And I could go on and on about it because it would, this is, I guess we'll, we'll say this for another time, but, uh, it's a, um, it's called the rift and we ended up calling it the limp because so many of us, were, <laughs> we, we, was, we were injured. <laughs> you know. uh, the leading lady, I think she broke her leg two weeks in, yeah. into shooting and, and my knees were a mess by the time I got there. So, you know. Yeah, so it, that sucks. It's yeah, it was a it was a mess. I, I I got better and was able to run toward the end of the shoot, and she was in so much pain she could barely. It was it was horrible. It was very hard to watch. She was in so she's what a trooper, what a trooper, mm. what a trooper. We'll uh, we'll put together a bio page for you on our website and link to whatever it is that you'd like us to link to. So okay, yeah. Oh, I've got a website coming. We've got a new website that I'm, I'm that's going to we're launching. I've got a meeting with these guys coming up today, and um, I'm on Instagram Kim Forty Eight, and uh, I'm sorry, Instagram Kim Forty Eight, and Twitter, and also Facebook. No more friends on Facebook because I've got my five thousand limit. So. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening, don't ask to friend me. Don't feel bad. Do it. Five thousand is a good but, number. It's a good round number. So we're good. Well, yeah, we uh, very we very much appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, coming to talk to yeah, us. Yeah, it's a blast talking to you. My pleasure. My pleasure. Been enjoyable. Yeah. You, know, you want to hear some more stories? Call me back. Okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll charge you. Now, as Ali said, <laughs> there it is. And as, as, as Ali said, I'm not coming back. Your pay's too slow. Your pay's too low. So <laughs> that was a Muhammad Ali. Did you see Ali's uh, documentary, by the way? 
Not yet, no. On PBS, Mom, but Ken PBS. Burns. Did you see it, guys? No. Uh, no, but if it's on PBS, I'll have to check that you out. Got, you got to see Ali's documentary, man. That's part of history that you you were part of and your family's part of, so you got to see that. So do find it and look at all eight episodes. And it will be an enlightenment for you. And I'll tell you a little bit about my life as well, because I was back there in a lot of things he was involved in around. Mm. A lot of people he was around. So do, do take a look at that. I you enjoy it, it. On Google. I will. You enjoy it. It's an education. Well, thank you, sir. Mm-hmm. And thank you to anybody out there listening. Again, please do come visit us at horrormakesushappy.com. We've got links to our social media there and uh, merch and all kinds of fun stuff. But uh, really, basically, the bottom line is if you like what you hear, please tell a friend. 